0: Hey there entrepreneurs. So just a quick reminder about my Thursday mini episodes. So what are they? They are a little bit of inspiration and motivation and education to get you through the end of the week and help you finish strong. And even better, they're usually less than 10 minutes long. So go and check those out today. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Paul Spears. Let's go tune in to find out. Here we go. On roll- all right, everyone. I have been looking forward to this conversation all morning since I woke up today, and I'm very excited to have Paul Spear's You know, on the show today, Paul and I had an amazing conversation over on his podcast a little while back. And he's just he's just an amazing amazing individual. So let me give you a little bit more background about him as well. So he is the host of the New P and L Principles and Leadership in Business podcast series, and the founder of the New P and L Brand Purpose Institute. He's a speaker, presenter, and panel moderator on topics and trends around principles and leadership in business, as well as the growing field of commercial creativity and business innovation. All of those topics, folks, are near and dear to my heart. So, Paul, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you, Michelle.
0: Wonderful. So let's just jump in, my dear, because I know that we could probably talk for a very long time, but I also want to be mindful of the amount of time here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would love for you to start off just by telling our listeners a bit about you and and how you came to be the founder of just such an amazing company. I mean, principles and leadership, like I said, near and dear to my heart, and I know you spent some time as a senior executive and there were some events mm-hmm. that made you reevaluate things. So just, you know, walk us through your journey.
1: I would describe myself as a um as a persistent entrepreneur not necessarily successful all the time and uh <laughs> certainly resilient by virtue but uh over the last sort of 30 years I've run my own businesses um quite a lot of that time I've also worked in senior level roles in marketing and comms and PR firms and brand strategy and so on um I had my own marketing agency a few years back and I guess you know the new PNL came as a result of a. I was on the receiving end of a quite unethical series of events in that agency that um, had a profound impact on my personal and professional life and turned it upside down. And at that point, I, the idea just came to me as a marketeer, You know, you, as you well know yourself, yeah, you come up with these little bits and bobs and ideas and creative uh, inspiration, and the new idea or the new the um, the new PNL came to me as an idea principles and leadership and business that there's got to be a better way of doing business, um, than what I had experienced at that time. It sat with, with me for a little while and I worked in other agencies and so on. And then last year I, I took the idea and I guess it married somewhere in the back of my brain with the idea of a podcast. I thought I would dip my toe in and see whether it resonated with others. Um, and it just seemed to, to take off, and you know listenership and downloads and the concept and the guests, and more and more people embraced the idea and, and, the, um, and the thought behind it. And that's really where I find myself today, a year on. Um, we've got the podcast, we launched the new PNL Brand Institute in September, uh, working to sort of integrate purpose and principles better into business. Good. And that's a, a very quick summary of uh, how I get to where I am today.
0: No, and I think it's, I think it's lovely. And I, and I have not met a person yet who I have mentioned your podcast to who did not say, oh, thank you, you know, <laughs> for, for that new p concept, because I think it is definitely something that is missing in the workplace nowadays and I think people are craving that approach to to business um so I mean everybody that you've talked to you've spoken to quite a few entrepreneurs you just crossed your what how many episodes have you recorded Uh,
1: so far 59th I released today yeah
0: such a milestone um so what have you learned I mean tell us I mean if you have to boil it down to maybe top three or, or something like that you know what are those principles that you've learned particularly around resilience, maybe a little bit, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can, you know, weave that in, you know, just impart your wisdom on us, my dear.
1: One thing I've learned, and I think the most important thing is kindness is found in the most unexpected of places. I think sometimes yeah. kindness and generosity in the first year of the new p although that's a big feature of the podcast as well, actually, the, the and I'm sure you found the same with the resilient entrepreneur, the When you've got a great idea um, and you're passionate about it, the amount of kindness and generosity and freedom of spirit and and time Mm -hmm. is remarkable. You know, that what you receive in return. And I've been extraordinarily grateful for all of that in the last year. I've also been blown away by every single person I've spoken to without fail in the last year. I've come off and said to my children or my partner, my God, that person's inspiring, you know, and, and they're, they're almost tired of me walking out of the, <laughs> the session and saying that because people are, you know, like you, you're interviewing people who are passionate about what they do. Um, they're such an inspiration because of that, because you can feel the enthusiasm and feel the love and the, and so on in, in their voice and and what they've demonstrated and what they've delivered. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely resilience in terms of um it is a slog, you know, just because you're doing what you love doesn't mean it's any easier. It certainly means that the passion will push you through it, uh, but it doesn't mean that you wade through it and you, and you walk through it with ease. You know, you've still got to work hard. You've still got to make that drive. you are still got to get up every morning and push and push and, and be enthusiastic about it. But it makes it a lot less um, the effort is a lot less I think because you're passionate about it but the hard work is still there I think you still nothing comes to you simply because you're passionate about it right
0: right I mean and do you find you know getting out of bed a little easier especially I mean that is one thing I have to say for passion is that you know oftentimes when I speak to clients and I think and I will ask them you know what is that first thought that you have in the morning when your eyes open and your alarm clock goes off and if it's like ugh, I don't want to do this crap again like you know, maybe that's a point of, of reevaluation. So for you, has yeah. that made a significant impact?
1: Yeah, I mean, it has. I, I absolutely, as I alluded to, you know, I come off every podcast so enthused. I wake up every morning so enthused about what I'm doing. And I think for any entrepreneur, that's key to it is you and I, we're in complete control of our own destiny. The ideas that we have, we can implement. And that's not to suggest they're all going to work. Some fail and you learn from it and you, and you keep uh, pushing new ideas, but you have the power and the control to test those ideas in the real world and learn from them. And I genuinely wake up every day and have done for the last year, particularly, and thought, this is awesome. Today is going to be amazing. I love and, uh, it. It's a wonderful place to be.
0: I know. I know. And I feel like many people may not have that, you know, and I don't, and I, for those, those folks that are listening who are kind of like, well, I'm not in that place. you know. I mean, what would you say? What would you say to them? I mean, if they are entrepreneurs, because like you, like you alluded to some of the days, are quite difficult. You know, mm. passion only gets you so far. You hear a lot of talk about your why and things like that. So what do you do on those days that, you know, maybe are a little less enthusiastic about yes. your passion?
1: I mean, I'm I'm in my early 50s now and I have only just found what I'm supposed to be doing in life that I genuinely feel it's not that all the other entrepreneurial ventures I've done haven't resonated with me and given a creative outlet but i only feel with the new pnao like it's inside of me as well as outside of me beautiful and i have i've said to a few people recently i felt for many years perhaps most of my career i've been standing in the right field but looking the wrong way yeah and at some point last year i turned around and saw that actually i was supposed to be running the other way so i don't know whether I should be congratulating myself that I've found what I'm supposed to be doing or commiserating that it's taken me 35 years of working to find it. Um, but either way, you've just got to have faith. And I guess that's where resilience comes in. You know, your, yes. the topic of your brilliant podcast, because it's just you're never too late to find it. Um, you'll find it and perhaps in the most unexpected places. And certainly my experience a few years ago, I never expected five, six, seven years later to be, running a podcast and running a business on the back of it. It may have been, may have been a great campaign for a client at one point. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it will come. You've just got to keep believing. Entrepreneurs believe that tomorrow will always be better than today. However great yes. today is, or however bad today is. And however long that takes, that tomorrow will come. That's, you know, you've just got to keep that faith.
0: It's absolutely beautiful that tomorrow will come, right? Because I think, you know, I'm, I'm also a big believer that wherever you are right now is a culmination of your past, right? So all of the skills that you've learned, all of the, the networking, all of the cultivation of relationships, mm-hmm. whatever that is, you know, so when you say that it's your age and, you know, you've been, you haven't, you've took, take so long to get here, you know, for me, I, I just look at you and I think like you're exactly where you're supposed to be and there's no coincidence in that timing i mean i have a client who i think she is about to start her fourth or fifth company and she's in her 60s so it's it's just a beautiful thing to be able to use all of your collective skill sets i imagine
1: yeah it is it is and i think that's one of the not the concerns but one of the frustrations i think we have in a world where we're focused. We're obsessed on younger entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that work eighty-hour weeks and so on and so on, and they're f- fabulous as well. But those older entrepreneurs have such a wealth of wisdom and experience and collective experience, as you suggest, to yeah. to contribute both to their own business but also to others as well.
0: Well, I think your focus narrows as well. Yeah. Like your priorities mm-hmm. have shifted; they become one hundred and ten percent more clear. You know, you've you've kind of step into the stage of your life in which you're able to release kind of the perfecting and the pleasing and kind of those Brené Brown <laughs> attributes that she speaks about. Yes, yes. Um, and you get crystal clear on what's important and where your priorities lie. So, I mean, for you, if you don't mind me asking, you know, personally in your life, what what are your priorities when you approach kind of business? What, what are you viewing as your priorities in life right now?
1: I mean, part of the reason I launched the new p l was to look at life outside of business as well, to spend more time with my family. I'm able to do this. Um, I was commuting for hours a day. Um, I'm able to do this largely from home or a local studio. Um, So I put the focus, not that the focus wasn't ever on my family, but I wanted more focus on my family. I'm able to do that. Um, I'm also able to spend more time enjoying what I do outside of work. I, I surf and I love surfing and I'm able to to go surfing, to, to walk and do all of those other things. And that's, there is a compromise for that. You know, there's always a compromise for everything, but I've done a lot of reading recently around, you know, the motivations behind entrepreneurship, and this isn't to, to dumb down or to, or to diss the sort of the, the 10 times scale or scale, 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 mentality of entrepreneurship. But if that's the only motivation for driving your business, then what happens when you don't grow? You know, exactly. you've got to have a, a greater purpose and I'm trying to build a whole life, not just the business life at the moment. And the the new P&L is part of, part of the opportunity to help me create that.
0: Right. I think so often you see entrepreneurs, to your point, very focused on the scaling and the bigger is better and all these other things. Whereas I think it depends on what your personal definition of success yes. is, right? So maybe maybe your personal definition of success does not include working 70 hours a week to scale to the next level or maybe it does. You know yes. I think oftentimes I will see entrepreneurs um, who will come to me at the moment where they have realized that time freedom is supposed to be a thing <laughs> in their yes. in their business because oftentimes we look at the, the, the time freedom, but we, then we let it slip through our hands. You don't you relinquish control to the money freedom. Yeah. Um, of entrepreneurship. So I think it's beautiful that you're, you're approaching it from that integrated perspective at this point. Um, whereas I think some folks, they feel like they are potentially failing their entrepreneurial journey. If they say, you know what, I'm going to go take a walk yeah. today. Yeah. Um, whereas that is part of the entrepreneurial freedom, at least for, for my perspective, it is correct.
1: <laughs> it is. And I, and I think what we forget as entrepreneurs sometimes is, creativity is essential to the entrepreneurial journey if you don't have creative ideas to develop your business commercially or to grow it um, and then it won't grow but creativity needs the freedom to breathe and the only way you get that is to take a step back figuratively or literally go for a walk go and do something else it's amazing how many ideas come when you're not focused on trying to think of ideas but yes looking at a magazine or going for a walk with the kids or whatever it happens to be you've got to you've got to free your mind to bring that creativity forward and that creativity is essential if you funneled your thinking all of the time then actually you're you're doing yourself a disservice rather than assisting the business
0: yeah because i think you're trying to bottle up creativity And I think that that is very corporate side, right? Like we are going to go into a room at a certain amount of time and the creative juices will flow at exactly that moment in time, which always kind of (laughs) baffled me. Um, You know, there's one thing to talk about if you have a creative practice, if you're a writer and you're writing every day, you know, fine, that's a practice in one sense. But I absolutely agree 110% that folks think sometimes the harder they push, the harder, the more they think and the more energy they pour into it that the creativity is just going to be, you know, generated out of that. But to your point, maybe it's generated, I know at least for me, it's generated from an afternoon with my family. Yeah. I have to say, I was just off for the Thanksgiving holiday here. And those four days that I was where unconnect- I was disconnected, I came back more creative than ever. Yes. So thank you for driving that, that point home because I think so often it is the opposite that is talked about.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, creativity is a muscle. Yes. Isn't it like, like going to the gym and you're advised not to go to the gym every day because you've got to let that muscle work itself and breathe and give it some time in between each of the gym sessions. And and you're absolutely right. Calling you in at three o'clock on a Monday and saying (laughs) creative idea. (laughs) Now you've got to give it some time to breathe and ferment and, and, you know, ideas don't come perfectly formed. They come as a lump of clay and you've got to just capture and curate those ideas. And they'll, they'll come back to, to breathe life into you at some point.
0: Right, right. I remember it's, um, I don't know if you've ever read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, um, Mm -hmm. Big Magic, right? When she speaks about and she tells that story around like the idea, I can't remember who it was, a writer and the idea she could tell the idea was coming. And if she didn't catch it in that moment and didn't kind of clear her life to allow it in, it would be gone in an instant. Um, And it's such a, such a beautiful visual from that. Um, so, which is a good sort of, sort of a good transition over to, I know that your new company, your new mm-hmm. kind of branch of the p and is embarking on spreading this sort of message into different companies and things like that. So, you know, talk to me about that a little bit, because as of somebody who has been in big companies, who I wish there was a you, you know, five <laughs> years ago coming in, um, how has that journey been on, on that level so far?
1: It's been fantastic. I mean, it's resonated with a lot of the people I've spoken to. We've done some – I mean, we've only launched the Institute three months ago, so we're in early projects with some Great. businesses. But I think, I think this year in the pandemic, as terrible as it's been in many aspects, and there's no denying that, it's also given people an opportunity to think about their business more and an opportunity to recognise on top of that that <clears> – <throat> perhaps the business has fallen out of alignment with what it was and what it needs to be and what it could be um, over time. And what we're doing with businesses is going in and we're not telling them they're doing necessarily things wrong, right. but whether they've just drifted from their purpose and their principles over time, new CEOs come in, new management teams come in, people come in on the onboarding process. They're not always you know, given the essence of what the brand is. So how can you, deliver on behalf of the brand if you don't really understand what that brand stands for in the marketplace and we've got to get away from just producing products but understanding what the motivation is behind that so we we sit down with them in workshops and one-to-one consultation and working with them on an ongoing basis as well to understand what their purpose is understand what the guiding principles of that business are and then importantly how they can re-engineer them back into the business on a daily basis And most importantly, how they can re-communicate that purpose and those principles to those they work with and the customers they serve.
0: Which I think, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And I think, I think it's, it's got to show the level of commitment of an executive team to say to you, this is a priority for us, Absolutely. right? Because oftentimes we do see, or kind of that stereotypical corporate America or company um, picture is, you know, you don't, you don't walk the walk, right? Mm-hmm. I know there were plenty of company slogans where I used to be that, you know, were, were brilliant. And if they were actually in practice, I could have seen a much different workplace. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, it's, I think it's admirable that you are seeing people taking that and making it a priority. And I think it's also interesting. I think oftentimes you hear of mission drift um, yes. in the nonprofit sector, at least here in the States, we hear it a lot, that term in the nonprofit sector. They've gone after the money and they've lost sight of the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you, you bring up an excellent point that I, also, I honestly think it's more prevalent in corporate than it is in the nonprofit sector. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I I guess it goes back to the earlier point that we just end up focusing on selling product right. and growing the business. But actually if you know this purpose isn't fluff. It's right. the absolute heart of the business and in a world where frankly we're all pretty much producing the same thing in any given industry. Yes. And and often those things are all manufactured in the same company with a brand put on the front and put back out to the market actually your purpose and your principles are the one defining proposition that you have that that no one else can replicate no one else can take right. from you right. the resilient entrepreneur is only the resilient entrepreneur because it's michelle and the new pnl is only the new pnl because it's me so we're all just podcasts but it's the essence of what defines us that defines the businesses we're running and however big that business might be to get back to the principles and purpose is not fluff it's essential to your commercial proposition and your key definer in the marketplace.
0: And I think it's very easy. It's very easy to lose sight of that. It's very yeah. easy to chase, chase shiny or to chase, like we were speaking about earlier, that, that ability to scale. You know and i and I imagine it's an interesting conversation to have with executives who maybe they're startup founders or anything like that who they came in with that mission, but now there's five levels of people below them, yes. so they are removed from the day to day so how have you in your opinion like how do you approach something like that when somebody is they're not in the day to day so they can't cultivate that mission every day
1: you You understand what the communication process is for that business because mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges with purpose or anything in business for that matter is the assumption that everyone understands it the way you do yeah. um that someone else has told someone else what your principles or your purpose are or or even the operational things how to do this how to right. you know right. how to run the business and and whatever role they have so i think understanding what communications are um, that exist within the business, understanding the assumptions that that business resides upon in terms of communication and the delivery of the business. Once you get to the core of that, you figure out where all the holes are, essentially. Exactly. And a CEO, she or he, just assumes often that the new starter, the account executive, or the administrator, or whatever it happens to be, must get where this business is going because surely it's apparent. We invest so much in marketing to make it apparent, but You've got to get back to the nuts and bolts of communication and understanding what their core message is and how to deliver it.
0: Right. And it's about evoking the emotion, right? Because once Mm -hmm. you evoke the emotional buy-in and everybody understands which way the bus is going or, and how it's going to get there, then, you know, it allows them to buy in. I think so often nowadays you don't see, I mean, you do in certain sectors, I can name a few, but you don't see as much of kind of that. Um, emotional buy-in from employees anymore, where they really believe in the cause, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and if you can capture that and you're a CEO, then, you know, that is an amazing thing. And it, it's just an amazing thing to see and to watch for yeah. the evolution of a company, I imagine.
1: It is. And I, and I think, you know, it, it is a, it's a delicate area fraught with challenges because you've mm-hmm. got to get that emotional buy-in in order to get that emotional buy-in, you've got to be authentic in the well you in the way you tell the brand story in order to be authentic in the way you tell it. You've got to have self-awareness as a CEO or a senior management team to, you know, to be aware of the level of vulnerability, the level of kindness, the level of strategy that you're able to deliver to that business. Um, Social media means that we have created a generation of people that are quite rightly, cynical about the authentic- the level of authenticity and transparency right, in right. business. So as you said earlier, you've got to absolutely walk the talk. Yeah. So you've got to ensure that if you go down this route, people will forgive the bumps along the road as you tell the story. Right. What they won't forgive is the the inauthentic nature of that story. It's got to be yeah. authentic.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I I see people so often, to your point, being concerned with you know, their mistakes being on social media or, you know, being visible and things like that. When I think that's the part that makes you human, mm. that is the part where people see themselves in you, because I think it's the worst. And one of the things that I personally have set out to, to not do, and I try, and I know I'm not perfect at it because none of us are perfect in anything is to, is to make it clear that I make mistakes, yeah. you know, um, because I, I think as humans, if you see someone who's perfect all the time, you're going to look more for where's the crack because you know one exists, right? So instead of, for your point, from a branding perspective, just, you know, make your audience part of the journey, make them buy into it in the beginning and, and, you know, show them where the, the skeletons are in the closet to some extent so that they understand that there are actual humans doing this business, right?
1: That's right, that's right, and I think, as I say, you know you've got to you've got to have that level of authenticity you've got to bring i mean we're in a beautiful world at the moment where brands have the opportunity to intimately collaborate with their customers right. to right. to work on new products together so so utilize that feedback, bring them into the fold, don't keep them at one step removed because consumers have more power now than they've ever had and brands have less power than they've ever had. So yeah. utilize in a positive way, the power that the consumer has Utilize their feedback, bring them into that product development process. That the perfect world in the future of product development will be innovation based on collaboration, yeah. both with the brand and the consumer because no one has a monopoly on great ideas or common sense.
0: No. And I think there's something to be said, um, about what you just said about the the consumers are in the driver's seat, right? Because that consumer, if they don't like what you're doing, they can easily just go take their good idea and create Mm -hmm. it as well, right? So unless from a a business ownership perspective, if you are not partnering with the person on the other end of your transaction, and by partnering, I don't mean just gathering data (laughs) either. I think that's somewhere along the line, Began to be a substitute for actual human interaction. We're gonna we're gonna create an algorithm to understand you, but we're not just gonna ask, <laughs> like, yeah. do you like this product? <laughs> you know, the simple things that we've gotten away from. So I think I just I don't know. I love everything that you that you do so much.
1: Um, I mean, data is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's yeah, it's clearly hugely beneficial to businesses. Right. But the data is only as good to go back to our earlier point as the assumptions upon which yes. the algorithm has been created. Exactly. You know, We look a lot about the bias of those assumptions as well, conscious and unconscious bias, the assumptions that feed into the data and data shouldn't be a substitute for intuition and, yes. and for thinking for you and I thinking about how to interpret that data. You can't rely on it alone. It has to be a beautiful marriage, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that marriage of left and right brain thinking, Absolutely. right. That, yeah. that, that thing where I feel like in some school systems and some, you know, business models, those two things are very separate. It's like, you know, the left brainers need to stay with the left brainers and the right, the creatives, stay with the creatives. I mean, I know you, you come from the creative background and it was like, you did not marry the creative department with the engineers. Like you just didn't (laughs) do that in the tech world um, necessarily, but I think there is, there's so much value in to your point Educating people on it's not just data for data's sake. It's not just boiling somebody down to I mean, if you if you boiled one of us down to, you know, our social media presence, I can guarantee they'd miss half of our personality. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, when you're going into and you're speaking to kind of these or your your vision, if you have not done already through your company, when you're going into a C suite and you are talking to these these people who are already stressed out, some of them have competing priorities, boards to answer to, all sorts of things like that. I mean, what is the first thing that you would that you would ask them or or advise them to start doing?
1: I, I want to get to know them. As an individual first, I'm not the first thing I'm interested in is the individual, not the business, because when I get to the as much as I can, I'm not a qualified psychologist, but as much once I get to understand what makes that person tick, what their background is, where they've come from, what their ambition is personally and professionally, then I get an understanding of why they're reacting the way they are to the pressure that's been put upon them. Um, And you know, in that position, it's a very, very lonely position. Often, right at the top, you you don't feel you're able to express your personality. Sometimes, your vulnerability. We're all guilty of having a perception of what that role entails. Yes. Um, and that we have to be the strong leader and the you know the visionary leader, but we don't have all the answers. So until mm-hmm. I understand what makes that person tick, I can't make an evaluation of the business because if they're making the decisions ultimately about their business. They're making them based on, to use your earlier point, everything that they bought into that role from the last 10, 20, 30 years of their own professional experience.
0: Yeah. And I think oftentimes, I I don't know if you agree or not, but oftentimes people are elevated into points of leadership, but not given tools and not necessarily trained on how to lead and how to make that transition from peer to peer to leader to peer. So there are a lot of, to your point, preconceived notions about what leaders are supposed to be Mm -hmm. when they step into an executive role. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, There's also a common perception that when you get there, that's it. But we are lifelong learners. So the CEO doesn't have all of the answers. Um, She or he doesn't, isn't the oracle of all business um, knowledge. You've got to keep learning. You've got to keep asking questions. After five years, you're only beginning your CEO journey. After 10 years, you're just starting to get established. So, you know, again, Taking the opportunity to ask questions as a CEO, to reach out rather than just be the person who has been reached towards, I think is absolutely critical yes. and, and, and seeing it as, a, as an opportunity to learn, not just as an opportunity to give.
0: Right, right. Because to your point, that, that's very depleting, yeah. right? When you are the one giving the orders, having the vision, you know, tasked with, in your mind, all of the heaviness, of Absolutely. this company, not to mention if you have employees underneath you, I know quite a few CEOs who take that as a personal responsibility those other people's well-being. Yes. So I mean, that yeah. is a heavy load to carry. Yep. And I, to your point, you said, you know, it's it's lonely up there. And I hear that. And I was, I was debating this with another guest the other day about that. It's lonely at the top mentality. And it's it's not necessarily lonely if you are able to reach out, mm-hmm. but it's lonely in the sense, at least from my opinion, that the, that the decision making is different. Yes. And the weight is different. So yes, you can reach out, but there are certain things you're not going to show your vulnerable side necessarily to somebody who's a, who's a, you know, a newbie four levels below, but you should be looking for those, those trusted companions at your similar level. Is that Mm -hmm. kind of how you approach it?
1: Yes. Yes. And no. I mean, I think you're absolutely right in terms of the the graduated scale, but I often think about retail businesses that, bricks-and-mortar retail businesses they close. And I think, you know, 10,000 people lose their jobs. And you think, well, how many of those 10,000 people who were at the front end had ideas about the way the business could be run better, but the management team who sat in a headquarters, miles away from most of the retail outlets, and, and relied on data and consultants and various other things, but did they ever go to the man or woman who's standing behind the counter, who continually thinks day after day, oh gosh, if only we had this, or if only we did it like that, or if only we collected the information like this, we would have a better business. And things don't change overnight. Things change very slowly in very small increments, and and the rot sets very generally. But unless you ask the questions of those people at the front line, so to speak, as I said earlier, no one has a a monopoly on great ideas Exactly. and those CEOs and management teams are making assumptions. So by all means, reach out to a management team and seek their advice and empower them to work more collaboratively with you, but also reach out to the entire organization because everyone will have an idea of how that business could be run better. And there'll be a gem somewhere in there from someone who's just waiting to be asked.
0: Right. So why do you think they don't? Why do you think they don't ask? I mean, there's, there's a series of, of reasons, I imagine, but what, do you, what yeah. are you thinking on that?
1: I, th- I think there's, there is a series of reasons. Yes. Um, I think some of it will be ego. Mm-hmm. Some of it will Absolutely. be humorous. Mm-hmm. Some of it will be a misconstrued um, belief that only management know what's best for a business and how to run a business. Yes. Some because it comes back to that self-awareness. It's just not thought of. Um, some because they'll go out to consumers to ask their customers to ask, and that's absolutely right as well. But some of the employees just are never asked. Um, Some because they feel that it's exposing too much vulnerability to go and ask, like the the CEO doesn't know the answers. No one has all of the answers. So I can't answer that question for every business, but somewhere in the middle of all of those examples and many more, there will be a reason why. Some will be, Simply because the business doesn't communicate the way that it should, and it's Mm -hmm. pushed down, not fed up communication.
0: The communication
1: is a is a monologue, not a dialogue.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think, I think to your what you what you mentioned earlier is that it does take time. It does positive change, and I think oftentimes you see that they're not willing to give that time. You know, Mm -hmm. but I, but. I understand where you're coming from. Where it's that that investment for the long-term health of a business, and the sustainability of a brand, is so much more impactful than the band-aid that gets put on in the fly when you know something's on fire. Um, and I and it, it always amazed me sometimes in corporate when you would just ask someone for their opinion or in any company when you'd say, "Well, what do you think of this?" And they look at you like, "Wait, you actually you actually want to know?" Yeah. And you're like, "Yes, I do want to know." And that vulnerability level to to your point from a CEO perspective is a scary place to be. If you're if you're an executive and then you come to somebody and you say, I don't know the answer to this. Can you, can you, you know, tell me your two sons? Yeah. But by opening yourself up, I imagine the relationships become stronger and the the buy-in of the mission becomes stronger as well, right?
1: Absolutely. And and you know, I don't think there's an easy solution to this because I, I think the corporate model is broken a little bit. You know, we, yes. we look towards unicorns as this aspiration, but actually mm-hmm. lots of the statistics show that actually a very small minority of those unicorns are actually profitable or ever make right. any sort of profit. Um, we have shareholders, stakeholders, multiple stakeholders that are putting multiply, multiple different demands on CEOs. Um, and many of those are expectations for high growth. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing wrong with sustained sensible growth either yes. because either you go like this through acquisition, debt accumulation and massive investment, and then you go like that right. or you grow like that and I think there needs to be just a rethink about what growth looks like what that time frame for growth looks like yes. how that growth should look, and who should be involved in that growth and and it, it takes a lot of bravery and courage, but yes. I do think we do have a moment in time with the with the pandemic to to rethink in lots of ways the way we run our businesses, the way we treat our staff, the way we empower our management, the way we think about ourselves as CEOs, the way we treat our customers. The brave businesses and the courageous businesses will make those decisions. And it may mean... Slightly tougher times in the short term, but I do believe it will. If it's done right, um, it'll lead to more sustainable, sensible growth over time.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I think even for our solopreneurs listening as well, so, you know, it's it's about your ability to sustain it over time. You know the the hand the hand motions that you're making are perfect because sometimes people just want to rock it up, but then if you rock it up too far, there's going to be a ceiling. Potentially. And then you could you could come back down with the same trajectory and that same kind of energy behind it, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunate, whereas that slow and steady and sustainable approach to the business, you know, solopreneur or a company of 500, you Mm -hmm. know, is is just so key for the longevity of your brand. Um, which is absolutely beautiful that you're that you're saying that. so thank you. Um so you know we're we're wrapping up a little bit, so I've mm-hmm. enjoyed this conversation. and as always, I could speak right. to you speak right. to you for hours. Is there any last last tidbit to any entrepreneur out there from the resilience aspect of things that you would that you would impart for them to to keep them going per se?
1: I guess I go back to the point I made earlier that I launched my first business at sixteen. And I've gone in and out of entrepreneurship um, into corporate world, back into entrepreneurship and back and forth and so on. And as I said, at 50, I found what I was supposed to be doing. So there, it will come. You've got to keep focusing on it. It comes from the most unlikely of places. Don't think it's an either or, or game. You don't either have to work in corporate or as an entrepreneur. Okay. You know, the side hustle is hugely, um, I mean, I know it's a, as a term, it's very uh, ubiquitous, but actually, yeah. there's there's truth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep going. Be resilient, as you you know your your right. podcast is absolutely the essence of what we need to be. Apply that resilience that you need to apply in business. Apply it to your own belief and your own exactly. abilities. Yeah, I think that thank would you. Be my, my parting gift.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, and I think. To your point, it doesn't mean you have to, that you're just in corporate or just an entrepreneur. It's about yeah. architecture in your life, you know, and what that looks like for your well being and for, and how you want to show up in this world. And that doesn't matter if you're in an office or if you're in charge of everything about your business, that doesn't matter. As long as you show up in the way that yeah. you would like to, and you would like for your family. I think that's yes. very important. So tell folks where they can find you please, my dear, because they, they need to. So please, please tell us. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, you can find me at principlesandleadership.com. Um, that'll give you a good background to the podcast and to the Institute as well. Uh, all of the major streaming and download channels, Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Amazon Music and so on. Just type in the new PNL Principles and Leadership and Business, but the principlesandleadership.com website is a good place to start.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, you have some amazing resources on there. You have, you know, white papers almost of, of your dialogues and round tables with different professionals. I mean, everybody, I definitely stress that you go and Thank and you. just visit his website and just on more Further understand the concept that he's trying to spread, which is beautiful. And if you are a member of the Surviving Entrepreneurship community, I will be dropping a link in the group for access to a free digital edition of the new PL Principles and Leadership in Business podcast series. It's the first 50 podcasts you know, in a book, um, first 50 for book, yes. books, a yes. book yeah. <laughs> that will be, you know, it's going to be sent for all listeners who sign up. So you will definitely want to check that out. I can't say enough amazing things about you and what you're doing, Paul. And I just want to thank you once again for being on with me today.
1: Michelle, I've really enjoyed the conversation and thank you so, so much for the invitation. It's um, much appreciated.
0: You're welcome. You know, I have to say that I i know I say with a lot of guests that I could speak to them forever, but Paul is like an absolute when it comes to that. I think number one, because his energy is just so grounded and he's just such delight, but also because he truly understands where the humanity lies in business, and I think sometimes we can mission drift from that. So I would urge you, especially as we go into this new year, and you know tensions are high and you know, there's a lot of stress out there, and you're also trying to figure out how to set yourself, you know, apart from your competition. Go back to your mission. Go back to your why. Go back to what. What sets you as a person apart in the role that you're in or the company that you're running, and you know from there, really work to to make connections with people in your sphere, whether they're customers, clients, employees, whoever that may be, right? Really work to put that humanity back into business and think about your principles. Think about how you want to show up and then, you know, do it, right? Stay true to it. And anytime that you feel that you're maybe drifting a little bit, remind yourself of where you stand and come back to center. All right. And on next week's episode... I'm so scared to tell you because it's such a big deal and I was kind of geeking out about it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So next week's guests, I am so excited, like excited is an understatement, to welcome Mark Victor Hansen and his lovely wife, Crystal, to the show. So you may recognize that name and why? Because Mark Victor Hansen is one of the co-authors of the Chicken Soup for the Soul line of books. Super influential. Crystal, his wife, is a powerhouse of a human being as well. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. You won't want to miss it. And as always, if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and review. And, you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in our lives, right? See you later.